Jordan. How are we? Excellent. Three of you are good. Nice, nice. Overflow to the rest of us, please. <laughs> well, so good to see you. We are in a series called Under the Influence, and that is easier said than done. That's why it's a year-long theme. <laughs> it's because we, we need a lot of help to get under the influence, and then we need a lot more help to stay under the influence of Jesus. Right here by my list, my, I had my big book, right? This is just a little Bible, but it's still got all the content. So we're talking about the Bible uh, in this part of our series. And we're talking about our frame of reference uh, as we look at the Scriptures. Uh, so if you've not been with us, um, then you'll wonder, what in the heck is that picture frame up there for? Um, just to frame me in. That's what it's for here for. Our frame of reference is how we see life, how we see people, how we see circumstances. Do you recognize that the way you see all those things may be very different than the person next to you? That's your frame of reference. So what we've been saying about the Bible is that if I have a frame of reference that the Bible is inspired by God, that it's meant to transform my life whenever I engage in it, if I have a frame of reference that says I can trust what's in there, then that book is going to literally liberate my life. It's going to change the way I live. But if I have a frame of reference that it's just a bunch of stories, uh, it's something antiquated and no longer practical, then I'm not going to trust it. I'm not going to look to it. Uh, it's going to maybe, maybe sit on my shelf or my coffee table, but it's never going to be open in my lap. And so our frame of reference is critical. Then we've been saying that not only if I have a frame of reference that honors what's in that book, all of a sudden that book starts to change my frame of reference. That book starts to change the way I see everything else. It's a little bit like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, um, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun, S-U-N, has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Same would be true for the Scriptures. I, I, I see the Scriptures, but now the Scriptures change the way I see everything else. It's changed my frame of reference. So as we look at that today, we're going to do several things. First of all, just say our mission statement with me. Um, meeting people where they are and loving them to where Christ wants them to be. Okay, some of you didn't participate, so elbow the person that was just stubborn and say, okay, say this with us. Ready, set, Go. Meeting people where they are and loving them to where Christ wants them to be. That's the job of believers. I mean, it's our church job, and we've, we've kind of, you know, uh, commandeered that as our, our slogan and our mission statement, but we really believe it's really true for, for everybody that genuinely knows God is that they should meet others where they're at, right? And sometimes we hate where they are, but we shouldn't guilt them or shame them or try to beat them up or beat them to some better place. Um, so this is not a parenting seminar. Uh, we should try to love them to where God wants them to be, right? And so as we do that, that's going to happen when we're under the influence of Jesus. We'll do that well. When I'm out from under the influence of Jesus, I may not do that so well. In that, we've been talking about under this influence idea that the way we stay into the influence is by developing a rule of life. So I've been defining a rule of life as simply my habits and disciplines that help me stay under the influence of Jesus. My your personal habits and disciplines that empower you, enable you to stay under the influence of Jesus. I'm going to give you another definition for rule of life from Marjorie Thompson. So Marjorie Thompson said it very well. She said that a rule of life is a pattern of spiritual discipline that provides, what's the next word? And what else? Direction for growth in holiness. Now, so don't get intimidated by that word holiness um, because it just means that it's, something's been set apart. If it's holy, it's been set apart for special use. 
So that's what God says that we're supposed to be. He calls us to be holy. That doesn't mean you've never done anything wrong or never will do anything wrong. It means that you're set apart for, to be used by God. In other words, it's, where, what's, it's what you look like when you're under the influence of Jesus. When you're under his influence, you're being used for holy things. Um, and so Marjorie Thompson says that these spiritual disciplines that God wants us to do, this rule of life, is a pattern of behavior that provides structure and direction. Say it with me structure and direction. Say it again, structure and direction. We're, we're going to camp out on that for a little bit, but, but not until I tell you what our current goal is. So our current goal, don't run into that, our current goal for this whole series is that we would um, increase our, say this with me, commitment and ability. So those two words I want to tie into the previous two words, commitment and ability. Say it again with me, commitment and ability to do what? Commitment and ability to experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. And I do that as I engage the Scriptures daily to hear God's voice or His Word that invites me literally into His story, into God's narrative. That's what God wants to do. So we're kind of hunkering down on the Bible, and over the last six, now seven weeks, we're kind of really focusing in on that to say, what do we do? We need to do to join God in this redemptive story so we experience Jesus is the unified story, you know, the Bible's unified story that leads to Jesus. Well, it requires some structure and direction so we can have commitment and ability. Uh, anybody like the home improvement shows that are kind of the, all the craze, right? I mean, how many more of those can they do, right? You have, I mean, Chip and Joe, it's like Chip and Joe, Chip and Joe, fixer upper, right? They, they were the first, right? Amazing, right? And then you get flip or flop, right? You get that, you know, Southern California, you get that. You get hometown makeover back from the Midwest, you know, you get the property brothers, you get all these shows, and then there's just another one and another one and another one and another one. They just keep popping up, right? But they are kind of cool, right? Because you all, we all kind of like to see something that is a disaster turn into a masterpiece, right? We all kind of like that. Something this is a disaster. You look at some of these homes, you go, oh my gosh, that's a disaster. Could anybody save it? And these guys go and say, yeah, we can, right? They're so excited. And sure enough, they do. And in the journey of that, they usually show you kind of a topo, a topographical kind of look at the home, and they kind of show you how they're going to reconfigure it. Yeah, something kind of like that, right? They'll show you, oh, we're going to tear down this wall. We're going to put this here, and you look at this. That's structure, isn't it? It's structure. And if they're going to do that, and we see it happen all the time, they'll usually kind of they'll look at the house, and, and then they'll go maybe down to the basement, or they'll look at the foundation, and they'll say, okay, oh, no, you know, because they oftentimes they didn't get to inspect it before they bought it, right? They got a, they had, they bought it. It's kind of like, you know, you didn't do good inspection on your spousal choice either, did you? You said, oh, I would have known. I would have known, right? But you didn't have an inspection done on your spouse. She just bought it. And now there's a little bit of, you know, buyer's remorse maybe. But you're hanging in there. You're hanging in there, right? Because women say, I'm not looking for the perfect guy, just a good fixer-upper, right? And so you're kind of on this journey. You're wanting to kind of, you know, really seize the day and make the best of it. Good for you. Way to go. Awesome. Give them a hand. Would you right? Right? It's all, we're, really, we're just really clapping for ourselves. That's what we're doing. So, but, but the truth is, we like to see something go from a disaster to a masterpiece, to a beautiful thing. And it is cool. It is absolutely amazing. You go, what they did to that place. It's amazing. And of course, you know, the person that comes in and gets it, they're, they're just amazed. And, right? It's a little the same way with your life. It's a little the same way with your life. Is that, uh, Pastor, are you saying I'm a disaster? <laughs> Not exactly. I'll leave you to assess that. Uh, but you might feel like things are not like they should be. 
Things are not where you would like them to be, and some things need some restoration. Uh, that's just being honest. That's just being honest. And when we talk about building a rule of life, we're talking about something that gives structure. Okay, that's what a set of architectural plans would give you, right? None of us would probably say, you know, I'm going to build a home, and how are you going to do it? I'm just going to wing it. Because, you know, the home that just wings it is probably not going to be a very good home, just frankly, right? Because why? They didn't have any structure. They didn't have any thought to it. And so structure is something that says, here's some thought to this. And then there's very critical, right, that there's structure and direction, okay? Because it's not that you just have a bunch of wood, a bunch of nails, a bunch of windows, a bunch of doors, throw it all together, and shabam, there's a house, right? There's a sequence of things to do in order to create a home. And ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to build the kind of home that has God's fingerprints on it. In Psalms, you might drop down your notes, extra credit verse, Psalms 127 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. And what's, the psalmist is saying that unless God's consulted, we're not going to end up with the home we want. We're not going to end up with the life that we, we, we want to be living because we've left God out of the equation. So God provides a structure. So when we look at the scriptures, we're saying the Bible gives us some structure right? And um, it gives us direction in life. Okay, then I jump down to our, our current goal, which is that we want to increase our commitment and ability. Because you can have a set of architectural plans that say, does this, do this first, then do this, then do this, and then do this. And you can have commitment, right? I'm committed to that house. But if you don't have ability, you're just going to probably mess it up, right? And that's why you know very, very good and well that you, you better call the plumber. <laughs> you better call the, the framer. You better call the person that does the drywall. You better call the person that does the roofing. Why? Because they have ability. They not only, they can take their ability and combine that with your commitment, and now you've got structure, you've got direction, you've got commitment, you've got a building. Now you've got a home that's being built the way it should be built. A rule of life does that. It gives us structure. It gives us direction. But you've got to bring the commitment and the ability and so we don't all have. Some of us have got commitment, but low on ability. So you've got to increase your ability. Some of you got ability, but you don't got commitment. And so you just procrastinate all the time. You never get it done. So you need both of those things to move your life forward in continuity with what God wants. Our rule of life gives us that. It gives us structure. It gives us direction. It gives us, then we bring our commitment and we grow in our ability. So as we've been talking over this last month about the scriptures, we've been talking about a lot of things that need to be put to place. So today's really kind of wrapping up this, this section of our whole rule of life thing. And so these would be great notes to uh, make copies of and put them on your bathroom mirror and even to memorize the content. In fact, I'm, I'm going to put a lot of this on a little three by five card that we can hand out and give to you. Because it's kind of, it's kind of your, your construction, it's kind of your structure and your direction and your, what it takes in your commitment and what your ability has to do to get out of God's Word what will build your life the way you want it to be built, the way God wants it to be built. So we're going to look at several, a couple of things today. We're going to look at one, um, the fact that there's barriers to, your, to Lectio Divina. So Lectio Divina is kind of where we've been for the last month, which just is a fancy way, fancy way of using some Latin words to talk about reading the divine scriptures reading the divine scriptures. So we've been talking about that. In fact, Lectio Divina can be seen in a circle, and in the circle there's four things. There's read at 12 o'clock, at 3 o'clock there's reflect, at 6 o'clock there's respond, and at 9 o'clock there's rest. So those four things are things that need to happen as we read the scriptures. We need to read them, not for information, but for, for formation. Let me say that way, not for information, but for 
formation, right? So God's Word is formative. So some of you are not being formed or transformed because you're reading the Bible just as information. And you read it in stale, and it's not doesn't have life. It's just stagnant because you're not looking for formation. So we're going to talk about how to, how, to, how to make that difference today, and we've been talking about that. But how to read the Scriptures, how to, at the 3 o'clock place, how to reflect on the Scriptures. That's a little idea of meditation, and, and uh, we talked about that for the last kind of couple of weeks. And then today we're going to kind of end up with this idea of respond, because if I don't respond to Scripture, then uh, there's no transformation. So I've got to come to that place where I learn, to learn how to respond to Scripture, and then I can begin to really rest in what God says and trust Him and be surrendered over to him. So this whole process can take place in little micro sections every time you sit down for daily Bible engagement, for daily Lectio Divina. It, these things, all these things can take place in micro forms, and all of a sudden you're being changed just in little bitty, little bitty moments of time, you and Jesus, you and the Word, you're being changed and transformed. But for some of us, we've struggled. So if I could, if I could take a peek into your world, if I could step into your house, please you know, I, won't, I promise I won't go into the bathroom and I won't go into the bedroom, okay? okay I'm just, I'm just, but if I could slip into your house, would I see you, would I catch you pausing somewhere with the Bible open? Would I, would I see that if I was snooping around, I was hiding behind the sofa? <laughs> right, would, I, would I see you in, that, in your chair over there just kind of just connecting with God and having Lectio Divina, reading, resting, responding, reflecting on God's Word. What, I, what, I, could I, what I, could I catch you doing it? Some of you are saying, I'm glad you're not in my house, Pastor. <laughs> Just glad you're not there. <laughs> but if I was, would I see that? So the reason why, for some of you are saying, yeah, okay, I failed the test. Okay, uh, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't see me, Pastor. So for, for, for many of us, it's not that we've said, I'm not interested in what Pastor's talking about. I'm not interested in our series content. But there's some set of barriers keeping me from having that kind of experience with the Word of God. And so today, as we kind of round out this section on, on the Scriptures, on Lectio Divina, I want to address those barriers. And then I want to kind of go through again, just kind of quickly, the read, reflect, respond. <sighs> wow, that knocks some sense in me. Reuben, I told you we put it too close, Reuben, right? It's all Reuben's fault. So, so, so then we'll do a quick review of read and blood, too. It's a blood. The blood. Yeah, that's better. Thank you. A little more empathy. When there's blood, there's empathy, right? Uh, it's okay as long as it doesn't get on my shirt. It's okay. Uh, so we're going to do those things. I'll do anything for, you know, interest, right? No, I won't. Blood. See? Blood. Okay. So, oh, no. <laughs> So let's talk about the barriers real quick. Let's talk about four barriers. And these barriers, I've experienced these barriers, and I'm so glad, way, way, way back, long, long time ago, in a land far away, um, someone told me how to have a meaningful connection with God. And I believed them, and I did it. And it's shaped my life. It's shaped my life. I'm so thankful. And, but these barriers have popped up in my life, but they've never had a stronghold in my life. And for some of you, 
maybe some of these are like a stronghold. It's just a continual barrier. So I want us to kind of look at each one, and for you just kind of check off, okay, I'm going to knock out that barrier this week. And literally this week, you could knock out all four of these barriers. The first one is your time is off. Your time is off. Your time is off. What do you mean by that? I mean, what you try to do is because you just get up, your alarm rings, and you whack, you hit the alarm, and off you go, right, and race through your day. And if you give God any time, it's the leftover time. If you give him any time, it's the leftover time. And the leftover time is not the best part of your time. You give him leftover time instead of the best time of your day. And that's, in that scenario, your time is off. The time is off. You've got to get the timing on. We're going to look at Psalms chapter, Psalms, um, chapter 119. There's 150 Psalms in the book of Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible. It's actually broken into four, into five books. It's kind of like the new Torah. So the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, and, and the psalmist is kind of this over, overlay of five more books, but they're to evoke praise out of God's people for all ages. And so if I want to know how to praise and trust God in, in tough times, they're called Psalms of Lament, um, then the, the Psalms are great. I can read those for that. If I want to understand how to praise God as a, as a lifestyle, then they also give me that. Those two things are always kind of intention because there's some things we lament over, which means just a kind of a neat word, Bible word for be sad, grieve, right? Lament over it. So the, the, the vibrant spiritual life isn't about ignoring pain. It's about knowing how to navigate pain. And the psalmist shows us how to do that. Um, and then to turn our, our, our sorrow into joy and turn our tears into rejoicing. God wants us to help us do that. But Psalms 119 is the longest um, chapter in the Bible. There's 176 verses in this psalm. I read it several times in different translations this week in preparation. And so part of what we want to do is we're going to look at Psalms 119 because literally out of the 176 verses, 171 of them have the Bible on it. No, it doesn't say, you know, the Bible every time. It might say God's word or God's precepts or God's instruction or God's commands. Nine different synonyms are used throughout. Um, thanks, brother. We're getting all kinds of good stuff here. Thank you. We can put a little medication on it. I like that. Those are good. If I start dripping, you can tell me and we'll, we'll pause some more. Thank you, there, Larry. Um, so Psalms 119, verse 149. Look at the psalmist says. He says, I rise before dawn. Anybody do that? Anybody kind of do that? Anybody say, not on your life, Pastor, I'm not going to do that. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Right, so that's a synonym in this chapter of the Bible for the Bible, right? Um, and so he says, and, and this is me, this is me. I, I rise before dawn and I cry. <laughs> uh, and you're probably crying with me too. Um, sorry you have to do that, Pastor. Um, but rising before dawn is, a, is an amazing thing because I get, a, I get to add God to the equation before the day hits me. And I have found that to be an incredibly helpful thing for me to stay the course, for me to, to continue to love Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mistake-free and I'm not failure-free. I've made my share of mistakes and failures. But I keep coming back to true north. I keep coming back to his word. I keep coming back to him. And, and this is a big part of why it works. It works. Um, I love uh, a little quote. I apologize I didn't get it on screen. Someday you'll see it on screen. You'll just trust me. There's this really cool guy that I've done some research on. His name is George. Uh, his last name is Washington. Um, and and, and he, said, he said this really cool thing. He said, rise early that by habit it may become familiar, agreeable, healthy, and profitable. It may for a while be irksome to do this, but that will wear off 
and you will find the practice to produce a rich harvest forever, forever thereafter, whether in public or private walks of life. Isn't that an awesome little quote by George? Mr. Washington, Mr. President. <laughs> Pretty cool. Rise early that by habit it may become familiar. See, that's part of the problem. It's just not, you're just not familiar with it. You didn't know there was a time before light, right? You're just not familiar with it, right? So familiar, agreeable, and that's the problem. For some of you, you're just disagreeable in the morning, right? Agreeable and healthy and profitable. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, and so beautiful little thing. I love that. So if, if that's part of your barrier, right, that you are not, you don't have a time. Now, I want to pause and say, um, if you were just saying, but I'm not a morning person. Um, okay, I didn't mean to push a button. Um, well, if you're an evening person, then carve that space out. So I'm not saying, you know, you get less points if you're evening than morning. Maybe that is the best for you. Maybe because at the evening, you can, you're, you're sharp, you're focused. I'm not. But in the evening, if you're sharp and you're focused and that's the best time of your day, awesome. Let that be the time. But there has to be a time, your best time, or your time is off. Or your time is off. So when is the best time for me to read and pray? Answer that question. Answer that question. Get rid of the barrier that your time is off. The next one is your thoughts are off. Your thoughts are off. And we're all guilty of this. So everybody's culpable. Um, Psalms 119 verse 30, 67 says, I focus my attention on what you are saying. This is what your spouse really wishes you did, <laughs> right? They wish you would focus your attention on what they were saying. But God's kind of like that too. He wishes you would focus your attention on what he's saying. And we don't. And so when our time is off, oftentimes our thoughts are off. How many times have we been reading, right? You read some scripture, right? And you were done and you couldn't remember a thing you just read. How many are like that, right? You know why that is? Your thoughts are off. Your thoughts are off. You're, you're, you're struggling to focus. You're tr struggling to give the text your attention. And when our thoughts are off, it's usually because our thoughts are somewhere else, right? Your, your thoughts are a hundred miles away. They're not, and you can't get there by just trying a few times. You've got to train yourself to train your thoughts to go to that place where you really give your thoughts to God. Because your thoughts can so easily get off because your focus isn't on attention to what God's saying. Your focus is on, you're giving your attention to what someone else is saying. Someone, someone else has said to you or someone else has said about you. How many have ever had someone just kind of criticize you and, and, and you thought, that doesn't bother me, and yet you obsessed over it for days? Right? Right? It, what did it do? It captured your thoughts and became a barrier for your thoughts to be on. So your thoughts are off. So your thoughts are off. Your, your focus is going to be off. Um, Dallas Ward said, said it beautifully. He said, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God ever before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our soul. It's the fundamental secret of caring for your soul, for God to be on the forefront of your minds, that he's, you're occupying your thought space with him. So practice bringing your thoughts back to God and the biblical text. Back to God in the biblical text. So when you're reading the scriptures and you find that you're not nothing soaking up, then it's a, it's a good time to kind of pause and bring your thoughts back to the text. Don't, be, don't beat yourself up. Just let the distraction go on its way. Acknowledge it. Release it. Come back to the biblical text. So number one, your, thought, your time may be off. Your thoughts may be off. And thirdly, your consistency. Our consistency's off. Our consistency's off. 
um, hit and miss practices instead of daily, regular practices. Hit and miss practices. Look at Psalms 164 in this chapter. The psalmist, like craziness, he says, seven times each day I stop and shout praises. Hallelujah. Now, um, I, I fall way short of that. <laughs> I fall way short of that. Uh, I try three times a day to simply take a knee and say a prayer, um, which for me is pretty good. I don't think I'll even aspire to the seven, but it's cool that he did. It's cool that he did. And seven has kind of a whole bunch of biblical meaning to it. We'll get to some of the seven meaning in our Genesis series coming up in the new year. But the big deal about that is his consistency. His consistency. And so I'm not saying you have to do seven. I mean, you know, I'm not saying you have to do three. But the more consistent you are, the better you are. And I would say you'd probably agree with that with just about everything, right? The more consistent you are, the better you are. Right? I mean, you've got all kinds of things in your life. Would you tolerate them to be inconsistent? Like you'd say, okay, I want a car that's inconsistent. Right? I mean, if it starts 80% of the time, I'm pretty happy with it. Or would that be a problem? Well, I would say that could be a problem. Well, I would say, yeah. What about your refrigerator? Oh, yeah, it's cold 70% of the time. It's a dandy refrigerator. You get rid of the piece of junk, right? You'd say, this is not working. What about your spouse? Oh, he's faithful 90% of the time. Really? What about the other 10%? Oh, yeah, let's not talk about that. You'd say, this is not right, right? Consistency, inconsistency is a deal breaker, right? If I I don't have consistency in my daily time with the Scriptures, see how good we are getting along now? This is, we are getting along so well. I love not running into things. Consistency matters. When your consistency is off, your time with Jesus is going to be off. Your time in the Word is going to be lackluster. You're not going to have momentum. You're not going to have steady upward progress. You're going to be inconsistent and sliding backwards instead of going forwards. You need structure. You need direction. You need commitment. You need ability. And when you get rid of the barriers, those things can just begin to fall in place because I've got some structure. I've got Lectio Divina. I've got these RRRRR, these four R words that help me have structure, which gives me direction. All that's going to build me up, but i got to bring some consistency. i got to bring some commitment and ability to the text. And when that happens, all of a sudden, I get to build a beautiful home. I get to go from being a wreck to being a model house, a model life. Jesus said it well when he says, you know what? Unless you build your house on the rock, you're going to build in vain. We've got to recognize that stability that he wants to give me, and he gives it to me when I prioritize God's Word. So our time can be off, our, our thoughts can be off, our consistency can be off, and lastly, our environment can be off. Our environment can be off. And I wanted to find a scripture. I read different translations. I really couldn't find Psalms 119 helping me out here, so I had to go to Jesus. Okay, okay, okay. So Jesus, it says, uh, Luke 5, 16 says, as often as possible. Wow, what if, can you imagine, can you kind of imagine someone saying that about you? As often, as often as possible. You know, Bob, Cindy, Tony, Beth, you know, withdrew to out-of-the-way places to spend time with Jesus. Could you see someone saying that about, that, saying that about you? Then you need to start saying that about you. Because if you can't even say that about you, guess what? You'll never do it. You start saying about yourself, I, as often as possible, want to draw away to out-of-the-way places to pray, out-of-the-way places to 
absorb God's word and his truth. Because when you do that, you know what the out of the way is? It's out of the way of distraction. That's what it is. It's out of the way of people distraction. It's out of the way of task distraction. It's out of the way of family distraction. All kinds of things can distract us. A lot of good things can distract us from the best thing of spending time with God. And so this rule of life thing, it's not just a, you know, it's just not something, a gig I do on the weekend, right? It's the thing all of us need to do every single day. And when we do it, we gain structure and direction. When we do it with commitment and increasing ability. And there's both. There's your commitment you bring, which is a resolve to do it. And there's this burgeoning, increased commitment. I'm super, I'm super stoked. I'm just, you know, I keep studying for what we're doing in, in uh, January next year with the study in Genesis. And, but as we go through that, we will be t- harnessing everything we're talking about now to upload a better engagement to the Scriptures for you in January. So we'll be looking at context and historical and cultural context. and We'll be doing all the things we've been talking about for the last month. Those will be superimposed into our study in Genesis. And so it'll, it'll enable you to kind of practice these things that we're talking about now. But you can start now with, with beautiful passages like Romans 12 or Ephesians 4. Texts you can begin to commit to memory, meditate on, and, and memorize those things. But what all that's about is what it does is create, when well, I've got my time is on and my thoughts are on and my consistency is on, and then my environment is on. Jesus wanted to find an environment that was distraction-free, or at least less distractions. So where's that spot for you? Where is it? Everywhere we've lived. Um, we've been married for 40 years. Debbie, my wife's in the house today. Say hi to Debbie. 40 years? Married 40 years. This is our 40-year reunion. It's coming up in January. Yeah. Uh, what's that? Anniversary. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a reunion. <laughs> and an anniversary. It's going to be doubly special. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? I know I don't look that old. Um, but it's going to really be amazing. Um, but what's amazing about it is just the consistency, hang in there, stick with it, right? But everywhere we've lived, and I can take you back even pre, pre-Debbie, I can take you back everywhere I've, I've lived from when I became a believer at 16, where was my space? It was, it was at my bed in the basement of our farmhouse. At college, where was it? I walked from our college, my college apartment, you know, a two-bedroom apartment with, with six guys living in it. That was not the space. <laughs> that was not the environment. I walked to our little chapel on campus, and I would get there at 5 o'clock in the morning every, every day. I'd go to that little chapel, and I started going at 6, but there were other people there. I didn't like that, so I went at 5, and no one was there. That was my spot. Then we got married, and we lived in a little studio apartment that was about probably by 12, 12 foot by 20 foot. That was Everything was in that 12 by 20 foot space. We lived there for three years, and it was just one room. And so nothing against her, but I walked down to the balcony, there, or the steps going down, there's a little landing, an eight foot by eight foot landing that had a chair on it. That was my spot for three years. Everywhere I've lived, I can tell you the spot, the environment, least amount of distractions from maximum, maximum amount of content and connection. You've got to get your time on. You've got to get your uh, thought thoughts on. You've got to get your consistency on and your environment on. When those things are kind of brought and they're right, you're going to grow. Leave those out. 
and your house might still be a disaster next year. So if you want the renovation that God wants for you, it's going to require dealing with the barriers that are keeping you from maximizing the promises of God's Word. When that begins to happen, all of a sudden our lives begin to change. We stop judging others and we start evaluating ourselves. I talked with some folks yesterday and we were talking about just how easy it is. You know, the, the, the believers always have this tension between their flesh and their spirit, right? You know, recognize this? This is a fundamental thing. That if you've said, if you said yes to Jesus, you've got a new spirit of God inside you wanting to do good and to do right choices. You also have your flesh. Most of us are really good at detecting the flesh of others, but not so much ourselves. Seriously, really? That is a that is a recipe for a house that's in shambles. That's a recipe for a spirit that is discontent. That is a recipe for a life that's filled with judgment and does not experience the depths of God's grace. Change your frame. Look first at the frame in the mirror and say, where's my flesh reflecting back at me? Because I've not dealt with my barriers. And therefore, I've encumbered myself to access the structure that's available to me and the direction that's there for me because I've lacked either commitment or ability and I've allowed barriers to keep me from God's best. When you and I do that, we thrive. We thrive. So, um, okay, so you got, you got your assignment, right? You're going to deal with barriers this week, so you can just go, okay, I got, I got my time. What's your time? Right, just right on the side, you know, right, right in your hand, I don't know, piece of paper, uh, have your spouse right on your cheek, so, write it somewhere, right, on your forehead, uh, you know, this is the time, write it somewhere in your calendar, there we go, there we go, that's a good place to write it, on your calendar, this is the time. You can even set an alarm on your smartwatch, smartwatch or smart, my phone is usually there, not my butt, my butt helps me not at all. Um, so God wants to help us to set the time, set your thoughts, focus in. God, I want to pay attention to what you are saying in your word. And I want to be consistent at it. Because some days I'll hear something and some days I won't. But he'll speak. He will speak. Some days you won't hear it and some days you will. But he will speak. Just keep showing up consistently and find him present, ready to speak to you. And then your environment, is it conducive? environment or a destructive environment. Okay, so let's look at our um, four R's, our read. But before we're going to read the scriptures, this are steps into Lectio Divina. So steps into Lectio Divina, the first thing we need to recognize that we have to do is pray. We have to pray. The first step towards the, the read, the, the reflect, the, the respond, and the rest, the first step towards that is to pray. How I approach the scriptures is as important as the scriptures. So I approach. So in Psalms 119, we're going to see several things about our approach, approach to Scripture. Pray before you read, inviting God's Spirit to meet you and speak to you in your experience with the Scriptures. Psalms 119.19 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Synonym for Bible. Okay, synonym. There's nine different synonyms used in Psalms 119. Open my eyes that I might see. Did you realize, I mean, you can see me, but some of you are still blind. You can see things, but you can miss the things of God. Jesus often said this funny little phrase, he who has eyes to see, let him see, or he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about the physically blind and deaf. 
He's talking about the spiritually blind and deaf. And so throughout the scriptures, there's this need to have God help us to see. He's praying for it. The psalmist, right? And, and these guys were used by God to write the Bible, for goodness sakes. And they're saying, I need God's help to do what? To show me the wonderful things in God's Word. Now, the beauty about this, there's three kind of little things I want to point out about this single little verse and about praying, is that first of all, there are wonderful things in the Bible. Open my eyes, my eyes, see the wonderful things in your law. There's wonderful things in there for you that God wants you to see and know and experience and enjoy because they're God's blessings to us. His purposes, His plans, His provision, His promises, His patience, His power, His presence, they're all there. They're wonderful things for you. I'll say them again. His purposes, His plans, His provision, His promises, His patience, His power, and His presence are all there for you. Yeah, someone wants to clap. Uh, three of you do. I, do. I do too. I do too. They're there for us. There's wonderful things. If I don't think there's wonderful things in here, I'll skip it. So at a fundamental level, I'm saying, God, remind me, there's treasures in here. There's delights in here. There's a path in here. There's something in here that can transform me, that can stabilize me, that can help give me endurance, that can change my perspective, my frame of view. God, there's wonderful things in here. So when I, when I do believe that, all of a sudden, something's new, motivated inside of me. I'm saying, God, help me to have that. The second thing is, I need God's help to see them. I need God's help. Open my eyes. Always, always, always. When I approach the scriptures asking for God's to, God to, to speak to me, to open my eyes, hands down, I, I can tell the difference. Sometimes it's like night and day. I can get into it and I can just struggle to, to grasp anything or for anything to speak to me. But, but when I take that moment to say, God, I, I want to come and I want to come in a relaxed way to you, undistracted. And I'll oftentimes take nice deep breaths in and I'll be aware, I'll give him my anxiety, I'll give him my stress and say, Lord, speak to me from your word as I'm in it. And I might be in it for, for 15 minutes or I might be in it all day long because I got to tell you something the next week. But I'll say, God, speak to me. And there's a massive difference with my approach is asking. Just to register, I need, I need to ask God. I, I need to ask Him. Jesus, it says about Jesus in Luke 4, Luke 24, then He, Jesus, opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. <laughs> you got to ask God. You know, oftentimes when our thoughts are off, you know, going backwards a little bit, remember the thoughts are off part? We talked about that, right? Yeah. Our thoughts are off. Why are our thoughts off? Our thoughts are because our thoughts are off because we're saying, I can do it. I don't need anybody else. I can handle this. Those are off thoughts. On thoughts say, I need God to do this. Without him, I can do nothing. Lord, speak to me. Lord, open my eyes. Those are on thoughts. And so this prayer thing is about how to get my thoughts on track and, and connected with Him. And look what it says in the, in the rest of a few other examples in Psalms 119. I mean, you should go home and read it this week. It's an awesome chapter. It's only 176 verses. 
I need to ask to receive them. Look, he says, train me, help me, give me, direct me. Train me in your ways, in the ways of wise living. Ways is a synonym for his word. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, another synonym. Give me understanding so that I may keep your, another synonym. Direct me in the synonym of your synonym, the path of my, your commands. What's he doing? He's asking. He's saying, God, please direct me, give me, help me, train me. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. We have to ask. We have to pray. It's our approach to the Scriptures. Jesus said it quite well when he said, um, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will open you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and he who knocks the door will be open. Jesus says, you can get it. You can have it. It's right there. It's right there. But you on your own, off thoughts, will probably be off the mark. And you may be off from hearing instead of right on hearing, spot on what God wants to say to you as you engage the Scriptures. If you don't give them value, you will not get value. Seek God. Okay, so we got the approach. Approach is, approach is big. Approach is big, right? Approach is huge. Approach is huge. Um, read. Read. Um, so, so here's our, you know, and this is kind of the, the infinity symbol. Remember, we've been talking, I superimpose Lectio Divina into our uh, explore, right? And so, same with me. Say explore, discover, rely, surrender, right? So we're going to read, we're going to reflect, we're going to respond, we're going to rest. So those things, are, they're, they're very compatible, right? When I'm exploring the Scriptures, I'm just reading them. When I'm, when I'm reflecting, meditating on them, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, discovering, discovering. And when I'm learning to rely on the Scriptures by uh, responding to them, I'm learning to trust God. And then, ah, then I come to this place. The place that He wants me to learn to live is I'm surrendered and I'm at rest, I'm at peace. The Scriptures can give that to me they can again and again and again and again. When I approach is right, when my time is on and my thoughts are on, my consistency is on, my environment's on, boom, I'm going to get that from Him on a regular basis. That's an amazing promise. You could have access to all those things that God wants to give you when those things start lining up, whenever you know your structure and your direction, your commitment, your ability. They're on. You start exploring the Scriptures. I'm going to go quickly through these because we've been talking about these for weeks. We've been talking about reading. Remember, reading is reading with an awareness of the historical, cultural context and the literary genre. What kind of literature am I reading? Is it poetic literature? I should read that different than I do narrative literature or discourse literature or apocalyptic literature. What can, so I'm reading with greater awareness of those different things. The, the characters involved, who wrote it, who's the main character of the story, who's the people receiving the story, uh, the themes, the repetitions, the contrast, the commands, the list. But pastor, that's a lot. That is about ability. You're increasing your ability to engage the Scriptures. So remember, I'm going, to super, I'm going to put this on a card for you so you can carry it around with you so it can become a new part of your rhythm and your rule of life. Read the Scriptures. Um, verse 9, how can a young man, how can a young person live a clean life by carefully, I love this, reading the map of your Word? How can a young man keep his way right before God, keep his way pure, life clean? How do I do that? By carefully reading the map of your word. Chris Thurman, a therapist, wrote a book um, probably 40 years ago. Picked up this little quote. He says, um, Truth, scriptures, is the roadmap for negotiating the difficult 
challenges of life. Without it, you get lost. And you develop emotional problems that tell you are lost. We often settle for half-truths or often a mistruth or untruth because they're easier to believe. But truth is the only road to emotional health. There is no other path. Now, the good news is that truth, the Scriptures, are available for anyone who wants them, which also means that emotional help is available for anyone who wants them. The real question is, am I willing to pay the price? What's the price? The right time, the right thoughts, the right consistency, the right environment, the approach, that's the cost. Pay the cost, emotional help. Pay the price, okay, pay the cost, the right path. Journey onto the life, renovation of the life you want. The second thing, what we read, we read the scriptures and then we... Um, have to engage in reflecting on the Scriptures. And we spent a lot of time on this, uh, one of my favorite topics. When I read a passage through with meditation and study, I discover, ah, oh, I get it, I see it, it jumped out at me. The meaning to the original audience first and then to me. Here we slow down, we focus on a word or a phrase or a verse or a sentence or a paragraph and properly digest it. Remember, this is our word, Hagah, that chew on it, that meditation piece. Look at all the times. In the Psalms, there's 19 times meditation is used in the Psalms, but six times in this single chapter. Look at it. I will meditate on your precepts, synonym. I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I will meditate on your statutes. I'll meditate on your precepts. I'll meditate all day long that I may meditate on your word. This guy was serious about chewing on what God said. And when you're serious about chewing on it, you're going to make some discoveries. The third, the, the point number four, the third in our, in our little circle of Lectio Divina is respond. Respond to what you read. This is where we learn to rely, to trust God, to lean on what we are learning from God's Word and how it applies to us. It could appear as, as a gratitude, as a confession, as a step of obedience. So James 1, right, one of our, so a lot of you have James 1 memorized because you've taken my challenge to memorize stuff. I could point you out. I could call you up and have you recite some of them up here, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Look at this. Do not merely, look at all the times that there's a do. Think about response as a do thing, right? So you could ask yourself, okay, I've read this. I've meditated on it. What am I going to do about it? What you going to, what you going to do about it? What you going to do about it, man? Pick a fight with yourself. What you going to do about it? Right? Because you got to make a decision. You got to do something about it. This is what it says. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so, uh oh, whoa, row, row. What are we going to do? Deceive yourself. Rather, don't merely think, oh, I heard Pastor's message today, so check, I'm good. Went to church, check, good. I'm sorry. That's like a great way to deceive yourself. That's, that's not good. He says, do not merely listen to and so deceive yourself. Do, here it is again, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a person who looks at his face in a mirror and immediately goes away and forgets what he looks like. This is kind of like forgetting your true identity. So this, this little cohort that I'm doing starting in August 10th, uh, Tuesday nights is going to be about you learning how to live out your true identity. If you want to come join my cohort. But you should be warned, if you join the cohort, it's a six-month commitment. I mean, six months with me. Can you handle that? I might be pretty hard. 
Pretty tough. I'm going to push, and you're going to have to memorize a bunch of stuff. Oh, pastor, you just lost half of us right there. <laughs> I want people that are ready to step up. So if you're not really, you know, you should probably want to do that. Say, I want to be challenged to do that if you're thinking about joining my cohort. But you'll be changed because you will learn your four false identities, and every one of you have them. You've got false ideas and stories you tell yourself, and you'll be able to set those aside for your true identity in Christ and start living that out with more vigor and uh, consistency. Um, and so it's about James. It's about not forgetting who I am. That's kind of his point. I look in the mirror and I walk away and I forget my true identity. I forget what I'm supposed to look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be, here's the promise, he will be what? Blessed in what he does. Wow. Wow. I hope it makes you want to go out and read your Bible. I hope it makes you want to go out and say, is my time on? Oh, my time's off. Got to fix that. Is my, are my thoughts off? I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. I got I to gotta focus. I was like, oh man, this is the only second time I did it all week. I got to get daily. Was, my environment, oh my gosh, Starbucks is not the best place. I got to get the environment right. I hope that'll make you say, I want to be a doer of the word. Look at the psalmist. Look what he says. And um, Psalms, in this section, is it up there? Can we get it? Oh, it's going to come pretty quick. 119, verse 32, 35. Okay, I want you to read with me. It's a congregational reading. Okay, this is a congregational reading. If you're going, what is that? Yeah. This is simple. It's you read. Okay? Okay, we're going to skip some words. Now, we're, going to, we're just going to read the highlighted words. Okay? Why? Because this is all about response. This is, and this is just one little snippet out of this psalm. The psalm's huge, 176 verses. So I just took a little snippet. But So as he's engaging the word all through, because it's just, hit, you know, 171 of them has the word in it. As he's engaging the scriptures, the commands, the law, the precepts, um, the commands, all as he's engaging those, he responds. That's, that's the winner. That's what changes everything. So, so read the highlighter with me. Ready, set, go. I choose the true road. I grasp and cling to whatever you tell me. I can stay the course. I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long, obedient response. That's a changed life. That's a transformed person. Because they've chewed on the word and they've responded. Now, this might look, here's some, some, some ways to do this. So literally, this will be on my little card that you can have. Um, ask yourself, <clears throat> is there some gratitude to express? Is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a, a prayer to pray? I'm just going to ask myself those little set of questions with every time I'm going through the word. Is there, is there some gratitude to express? Something to just say thank you for. God, thank you for just showing me yourself, Lord, today. Maybe that's not, you know, go out and win the world today, right? Maybe it's just, oh, wow, God, you're God and I'm not. Thank you. Is there, is there some gratitude to express? Is there a command? Oh, my gosh. Okay, nailed me. Okay, it's a command to obey. Um, is there a promise? The blessing promise of James Chapter 1, verse 24, 25, a blessing that if I do this stuff, I'll be blessed. So, yeah, there's a promise to claim. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a prayer to pray? Our response 
matters massively. Response matters massively. The, 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 rest, the rest is the last point, and this is kind of the result. This is a result of a life that learns to read, not for information, but for for formations, different kind of reading. This is a life that, that happens whenever they learn to, to reflect and meditate and hug, chew on it, right? Eat it up, internalize it, ingest it. This is, the, this is the result of a life that says, what am I to do? What am I to do? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we, we want to experience the rest of God. God, we want to learn to experience your presence and surrender our anxiety and give you our woes and, Lord, yield our decisions. God, we want to let you sanctify our relationships and purify our thoughts and alter our motives. God, we we want you to transform us from the inside out. But that requires an ingesting and internalizing of of what you've given us, this amazing story of God, this unified story that leads us time and time again right back to Jesus. Wherever you are in your journey, I just want to invite you just to ask him, Lord Jesus, help me. God, help me to honor your word. Lord, help me to tackle the barriers that so often get in the way of my approach and how I read and reflect and respond. Jesus, help me. Lord, today we just um, are refreshed in our understanding of uh, how amazing your word is and the wonderful things contained in your law. Open our eyes that we might see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.